Yeah, so as Paul said, I'm Ramsey. I think I know most of you, but if I don't, that's my name. Uh, and I was in the Middle East. I'm going to be talking a bit about that this morning. Um, so I've been for the past two years involved with Youth With A Mission, or YWAM, which is a Christian missions organisation that's worldwide, um, that trains and sends teams and individuals all over the world. And basically the sole purpose can be summed up uh, with the goal of knowing God and making him known, that kind of dual purpose. And really the belief is that out of knowing God, we'll naturally want to and will make him known anyway. Um, so it's really one purpose. Um, so I was doing a school at YWAM in Florida, in Orlando, uh, called the School of Ministry Development. I think there's a picture if it's going to come up. Uh, we're having problems. <laughs> So anyway, there's a picture coming up of my, my school. There was about 25 of us there. And it was basically a leadership training school. Um, a follow-up to what I was doing last year, but with a focus of training for leadership, not necessarily in a church or missions, but anywhere. Um, that's us there. Brilliant. Um, some kind of tall, good-looking one at the back. Um, <laughs> It was actually, the other tall guy is an English guy. We were the two Brits. Um, this couple over here, uh, Nathaniel and SJ, they were the leaders of the school. And some people you might recognise from my photos I showed last year that I was in the Dominican Republic with. Um, some people came back to do the school. And actually, uh, this girl over here from Haiti was our translator in the Dominican Republic, who then came to do the school with us this year. So that was really exciting. Um, so basically, um, I didn't really know why God wanted me to do the school in terms of what was next or like vocationally, but I knew very clearly that he did want me to do it. So I did it. Um, we had a three-month lecture phase. We studied topics such as what makes a good leader, how to work well with different people, uh, and how to bring out the best in others as a leader. We even looked at trauma counselling um, and discerning God's calling for your life. And this was followed by a two-month outreach, which is kind of what I'll be talking about this morning, really. Um, so we had different options for where we could go. And uh, we were asked to pray about it and see what God wanted us to do. So I did that. And I really felt that God wanted me to go with a team to the Middle East, um, which came as a bit of a shock to me. But at the same time, there was a strange peace about it. So I knew that it was from God. Um, and we were going to go to the north of Iraq, to a region known as Kurdistan. Um, so I found this map last night, which is brilliant. I think it's really good. So basically, Kurdistan is not technically a country. Um, it's a region that covers four countries. And the Kurdish people um, kind of live throughout that region and the rest of the world. And you probably know some in Glasgow as well. We've got some friends attached to the church, the Kurdish people. Um, and basically, it's the largest people group that don't have their own country. Um, so that's where we would be going, um, to just up here, right in the top corner of Iraq, um, about two or three hours north of Baghdad, and about an hour east of Mosul, which you've heard a lot about in the news probably. Um, so a lot of the work that we were going to be doing would be with Syrian Kurds, although we did meet people from all over as well. Uh, part of how God kind of confirmed to me that I was to go to Kurdistan was that he put a scripture reference in my head, like the actual reference, which I then looked up, and it was Isaiah 61, which is a really familiar passage, but it was particularly verse 2, um, which says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of our Lord's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. 
And while I've been away the last year or so with YWAM, that's something God's really put on my heart, is that idea of comforting those who mourn. Uh, something that I need to grow a lot in, but it's also something I've got a heart for growing in. Um, and I knew that there'd be a huge place for that where I was going. Um, so everything in my flesh, as I kind of heard that call, was like, no, this is a bad idea, shouldn't go. Everything I've heard on the news tells me I shouldn't go. Um, but everything in my spirit was like, go for it. And you've just got to sometimes do that. Um, and my spirit won over, sure enough. Um, and I knew that although I'm like 24, um, I knew that I was called to go, despite my age, because I would be leaning on his strength. I wouldn't be doing it on my own qualification or my own experience. Um, so I trusted in that. Um, but a wee surprise came about two weeks after I heard that call, that me and my friend Lorne, who are both going on the trip, were asked to lead the team. Um, so that kind of came as a surprise because I was just going as a student. So that was a big step up. But again, I knew because God was calling me, God was qualifying me, so it was going to be totally fine. So I decided to stock up before I went away. Um, this is 50 pieces of fried chicken, which I'm actually ashamed to say we didn't finish it. It's kind of embarrassing. It'd be a cooler story if we did. Uh, but this is my small group. So there was about 10 or so guys in the school, and we split into two small groups, and we'd meet every week, really for spiritual growth, to challenge each other, to eat a lot of food and just do some crazy things. Uh, we also had a photo shoot at one point where we all dressed up and did poses, but it's a wee bit embarrassing, so I'm not going to show you the picture of that. Um, so we set off, and the next picture, you can see my pal Tommy. This is about an hour north of Orlando, and he was already sleeping, uh, looking out the window, but it's a beautiful view, so I stayed awake, partly because I'm terrified of flying, but it was a nice view. Um, and then about eight or nine hours later, there's a picture of me flying over the homeland. So obviously pilots try and go over land as much as possible, just in case. Um, and this was, I actually got an hour's free Wi-Fi in the plane. That's when I messaged Mark and said, he's a wave. Um, but I was kind of lying. I was really like in the north part of Scotland. You could see Forfar, Dundee, Perth, uh, or more northern, I should say. Um, you can also see there's a sign for Mecca, so that people, it's Qatar Airlines, so that people always knew where to pray towards on the flight. Um, so there was even some interesting culture on the plane as well, which was great. Um, and then the first city where we went to was actually where the airport was, it's called Erbil. And Erbil is one of the oldest cities in the world to have constantly been inhabited. They have records roughly from about 5,000 BC of people living in Erbil, and there's been people there ever since. And obviously you've heard of kingdoms and countries that have, have lost their empire or have been repopulated, but Erbil has constantly been populated for thousands of years, which I thought was amazing. Um, and this is a picture kind of, this is an area, both of these pictures are the citadel, which has a lot of history down there. If you're ever visiting, I would recommend it. Um, and the next picture after that, is the first meal that we had when we got there. Um, you can kind of see, there's a lot of pictures of Tommy, just because I think he's quite a funny guy, but he's absolutely zonked. He almost fell asleep in his food. And we'd had an orientation with the long-term workers that we were working with, and we were all falling asleep, sitting up. It was really embarrassing. And eventually they said, look guys, why don't we just go and get some food and do this tomorrow? 
and we were like brilliant. So this is where they took us. This was one of the nicest places we ate. It kind of set the bar too high at the start, to be honest. <laughs> but it was really good. And it was their treat, so I wasn't complaining. Um, and the next picture is my team. Uh, very proud of them. Love them all a lot. Um, so myself there and Lauren is the girl on the far right. We were leading the team. And then this is Kristen, Madison, Jen and Deborah, And my pals Tommy and Gary. Um, and so eight, uh, six, I was going to say eight months, two months with the same eight people has its challenges and its ups and downs, but uh, yeah, I love these guys to bits, so that was our team. We got to do a lot of stuff when we were in Airbnb, a lot of varied opportunities. I think one of my favourite things was we would go to a weekly or sometimes twice a week Bible study with guys that had come from Syria, had found a place to live in a community in Airbnb. Um, and were just hungry for God's word, had so many questions about it. So we would meet and study the word, and we would have tea, a lot of tea, and even more sugar, like half a cup of sugar and one cup of tea, and it's a cup that size. Um, and we would just have amazing conversations with these guys, and it just really felt like if there was one experience as to why I'm here for two months, this, this defines it for sure. It was a brilliant time. We got to pray for them as well and saw healings, um, and saw God provide work in a city that's really struggling people to find work. Um, so we saw answers to prayer as well. Um, one of the families, basically, they were meeting with, one of the guys had become a Christian, and he'd just become a really natural family-based evangelist. And so he was just inviting everybody in his community, brothers, sisters, like everyone come along. And just one person in a family can make a huge difference when they're living with that light of Christ in their life. Um, so just to encourage you with that, if that's you and your family as well. Um, so we would take food with us wherever we went or just generally try and meet practical needs. You might have heard of this two-handed gospel approach, you know, the gospel in word and the gospel in deed. Both things are so powerful and, and, and verify the other thing. Um, so it was amazing to get to speak of God meeting needs and to be able to be a part of that practically and tangibly as well was great. Especially, I was thinking about this last night, we're going to like country of crazy hospitality. We've got to show that Jesus is the most hospitable, you know, more hospitable than anyone that we're meeting. And, and we were meeting some hospitable people. So meeting practical needs was a big part of that as well. Four days out of the week, we went to a camp um, about 20 minutes from Erbil, which is mainly uh, Syrian refugees from the northeast part of Syria. And we had to have programs prepared, so we were teaching basic English, uh, football, dance. Uh, I wasn't doing the dance, but the team. I can count the team and say we did dance. Um, I don't know if this video will play. Sometimes the videos on my computer are a bit funny. I don't know if it will. Um, no, but you could just go back to the... Aye, so you can kind of see, this is us driving into the camp. And the video shows you that it's, it's very wide. It's just rows and rows and rows. Um, of houses and tents, just tens of thousands of people. It was really quite extraordinary as you were driving in to see the vastness of it. Um, the camp's been there for like seven, eight years, so it's really grown a lot. Um, and a lot of the people we were meeting had been there since basically the start of the trouble in Syria, so about 2011, 2012. Um, and there was a lot of even like neighbourhoods, like real communities starting to develop. Um, so the next picture, uh, this was a table tennis tournament that we organised. 
So basically, we went with all these amazing plans. We'll do football. We'll do ultimate frisbee. Basically, everything that involves it being nice weather. Uh, and it was horrendous. Like, we got there, and I thought I'd gotten the wrong plane because um, it was just cold and cloudy and rainy and of course everything we'd planned so we had to adjust um, so we just made do with what we found and we had a, a table football table I almost said foosball I've been Americanized, <laughs> uh, and a table tennis table and one day we thought let's just get a draft get some names on it and we'll do a tournament before we knew it we had like 20 to 30 guys of all different ages coming um, I'm wearing a medal, which is a joke, because I get knocked out in the first round. Um, but again, this is culture of hospitality. You know, you could, <laughs> you could have not even played and they'd have been like, take it, take it. Um, and the guy giving us the medals, this is uh, the coach, he's called. Um, and he's a guy from Syria, he's a professional football coach. Um, and so now in the camp, that's basically what he does. He teaches and trains boys from this height all the way up to my height and beyond. Uh, how to play and he's got teams that he takes all over the country to tournaments and all sorts um, a really well respected guy in the camp and just a lovely friendly guy uh, didn't speak a word of English but somehow there was just a connection that we had with him and it was just great to get to know him a bit better um, so yeah we had to be flexible and thankfully the weather did change um, and it got a bit sunnier but I'd also packed thinking it was going to be you know 40 degrees, so I've got shorts and t-shirts and I got there and I had to borrow clothes off folk, buy clothes, and, but we got through, uh, just used what we could find. Um, and then the next picture I think is a football tournament that we organised. This was like within five days of getting there because they were so hungry to do something, to play. Um, and we rented this, this whole, uh, probably like eight aside pitch maybe. Uh, cost us $20 and I was thinking of that Mark remember Parkhead you know it would be 50 quid for a fives pitch and this was 20 um, so it was great we got to manage to pull together a team you should have seen us um, basically we'd all just get out of bed like varied levels of fitness I had a banana for my breakfast and then these guys turned up from the camp like matching kits, like in a minivan, like they started doing like high knees and all that. <laughs> I thought we were going to get destroyed, but it was two each. Uh, and then we got destroyed on penalties. Every single one of our penalties went over or wide. It was a sevens goal though, so I don't know if that's an excuse. Um, but again, this trophy was given to us before we even played. You know, and I said, why doesn't the winner take the trophy? And they're like, no, 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 it's a gift, it's a gift. Um, and they left it blank. You can see in the next photo. Uh, this is us together after the game. They even gave us a team calendar that they had made of their team. This shows you how official it was. Um, and I think the next picture maybe is, yeah, so I don't know if you can read that, but they gave us the trophy blank and said, write something on it. So I wrote, Syria versus rest of world, uh, 2019, 30th of March in uh, the year. Um, and then the other picture is me and the, the coach. He's presenting me a trophy, even though we just lost on penalties. Um, so that just kind of summed up the trip, really. It was uh, being blessed, even though <laughs> um, we didn't deserve it. Um, the next picture is Deborah, the girl I was talking about, that was our translator in the Dominican. And she came as part of the team. Uh, she's an amazing dancer, like so skilled, and has vision for like getting dances together, coordinated, just stuff I could never do. 
Um, she actually tried to get me dancing in the Dominican last year, and I said never again. Actually, I tore my shoes and all that, and cut my knee, and no, it was a nightmare. So I left the dancing to her. Uh, and this is her doing a programme with basically kids of the missionaries there. Um, it was during their summer, and they didn't have a lot to do. So they were like, would you put together a dance programme? And so she did that, and um, they were great. Really good. Um, now, the next picture is kind of the peak of my culture shock. This is Snickers toothpaste and Twix, and there was also Kit Kat toothpaste. Um, and this is a WhatsApp body spray. <laughs> I didn't know you could smell like an app, but they had Twitter and Facebook as well. I'd have brought you all one if I had the money for it. Um, but there you go. So that was my culture shock peaking. But generally speaking, I just found myself adjusting to the, to the culture. I love the Middle East. Uh, and I love how it's kind of relationally wired, and I just had a great time there. But some things were funny for sure. Um, the next picture is me and my best bud. This is the guy that I kind of got to know the most. He came to our English classes, even though his English was great, just because he, he linked us and wanted to hang out. Um, he actually is fluent in French. That's what he was studying when he was back in Syria um, as well. So we actually spoke in French. And, I mean, I can't say much in French. I can tell you where I went my holidays, what I had for my breakfast, but it was good just to relate to him. Uh, and we just became close. We still keep in touch now. And it was just great to get to hear some of his story um, and to speak truth into that. And honestly, just, just be a listening ear. Um, and it was great. And we made a really good friend for life, I think. Um, so there was some hard goodbyes for sure. And the next picture was a wee bit of sightseeing, actually. Uh, this is a, a church that's a cave. It's like thousands of years old, and they would meet there secretly, I think. Um, and this view, this is an area called Shaklawa, and it's an amazing view from the top. Um, and as you can see, it took its toll on me in the next picture. <laughs> but um, that's actually a terrible picture. I haven't seen it from this angle. Um, but no, I was actually out with food poisoning. That's why I put that in there, just to uh, <laughs> get you to feel sorry for me, I guess. Um, so I was out the game for about four or five days. Um, but Tommy took that picture of me just because he thought it was funny. And then I woke up and I said, Tommy, I don't feel well. Um, and the next picture kind of shows you uh, London, 4,000 kilometres. You know, it's kind of, you feel far away from Duke Street when you see something like that. Um, but it was great just to see where everything was and to kind of look towards home and think of everybody was really cool. Um, and the next one, this is probably another one of my best pals from the trip. Kisai is a Christian from Baghdad, and he drove us around basically. As, as he drove us around, you've never seen a crazier driver um, in your life. I think we hit um, two cars and a cyclist in the three weeks that we were in Airbnb. Everyone was okay, but <laughs> except us, we were scarred. Um, but he was just absolutely bonkers, loved this guy to bits, and just his passion for the Lord was infectious. Uh, and as you can see, any chance he got, he was sleeping as well, uh, which I kind of envied. I didn't have the time to do that, really. Um, while we were away, uh, someone sent me this next picture. Um, so this was the family that we were staying with in the Dominican, if some of you can remember. Uh, they'd adopted 18, uh, back one, just... They'd adopted 18 um, kids from Haiti and we were staying with them for two weeks, just basically helping out wherever we could. 
and we left them with this picture up here of our team. And then we'd sent a team as we sent us to the Middle East and they sent me a picture and said, you're on their wall. And they're still thinking of you and praying for you. So that was really cool um, to see that we'd made an impact there even like a year later and that teams were still getting to go and meet with the same people and, and kind of help them out however they could. Um, the next picture was our farewell meal from, from Airbeal. It was really hard to say goodbye, um, but at the same time, just a deep thankfulness for the relationships we'd made. You can see the coach in Raybar, Kasai. Um, this was one of our favourite places to eat. It was a hummus place um, in the capital. It was just amazing, like all kinds, like things you thought you'd never have in hummus. Like there was like hummus with the meat and hummus with the veggies and everything. It was brilliant food. Um, it was really good, but it was a hard goodbye. Uh, but then we went to the airport. I think it's the next picture. And the coach surprised me at the airport. This was actually us going to pick up our leaders that were coming to do a visit. Um, and I'd said my goodbyes to the coach. And I'd actually just been thinking about him. And then all I heard was, ah, Mr. Ramsey, Mr. Ramsey. And I looked up and there he was. So we got to hang out again. And I just really saw the Lord touching that uh, and getting to see him. And uh, he was waiting for his brother to come to the airport. The airport's really far from the camp. That's why I was so surprised to see him. Um, and the next picture is the next place we went to. This is the most touristy photo that we took the whole time. Uh, I loved the hook. So that's about two hours north of Airbeal. Um, we're all posing there. Um, the hook was totally different to Airbeal. Airbeal was very westernised, very mix of culture. Um, the hook is in a valley. Uh, as you can see the mountains there, the whole city's in a valley. It's absolutely stunning. Um, but it tends to be more uh, just mainly Kurds and some Arabic people as well. And some Arab people. Um, so a bit different feel to Airbeal and you could, you could feel that as you arrived but it was really cool as well. Um, the next picture, we played a game anytime someone fell asleep. Whatever the context was, we got a picture. Uh, so this was Lorne. This is us in the visa office, because the first thing we had to do basically when we got there was renew our visas. So you can go to Kurdistan um, for a month, um, no problems, but then if you want to stay longer, you have to renew your visa, and you have to have your blood tested as well, which any of you that know me, well, no, that's a problem for me. So sure enough, I passed out. Um, my team all thought I was half dead. I woke up and they were all praying over me because they didn't know what was going on. Um, but anyway, we got through it and we got our visas renewed. No problem. Um, but yeah, you can see the next picture. Uh, these are some of my friends. So we found in Dahook, like so much of the ministry was just really relational and just going out, meeting folks, building relationships over time. Uh, this is my pal, I called him Torres because I think he looks like Fernando Torres um, but his name was Mr Pichu, he called himself which I've no, I don't know if that's his real name but he's like, I'm, I'm Mr Pichu um, and him and his brother ran a store that we went to every day so we just got to know him really well and this is my friend Walid who we met at the zoo like really random but he just came up to us, started talking to us and we stayed in touch um, and so as I say, like, it, was very, it was very relaxed kind of ministry. It was very much make friends, disciple people over a period of time. But just getting to stay in touch with people is just amazing. And WhatsApp's a great resource as well. And thinking about that, as I've come home, like, the amount of texts and phone calls I've been able to still have with people is such a good resource. 
Um, we saw five salvations during that time, which completely surprised me. Like in that context of the Middle East, I guess I'd kind of thought things would be, you know, really it would be really hard to see fruit, and we'd really have to fight for it, which is true to a degree. But God is God, you know. Uh, I don't know why it surprised me, but we saw five people come to faith. Um, we saw many people healed physically, uh, emotionally as well. Uh, and we prayed for some people with demonic affliction as well and saw peace come in that situation. Um, there was also great growth in our team as well. And the next picture is me getting to baptise Tommy. He's been one of my best pals for about a year, so that was a real honour. Um, this is actually in the Tigris River, which is great historically, but... Um, I wouldn't recommend it for a swim, honestly. <laughs> Your feet kind of sunk into something as you went in. Um, but it was great. It was great to get to be a part of that. And when I went to visit his family in Texas, when we got home, his mum ran up to me. She's a five feet tall Brazilian lady. And she was like, she gave me this big hug. She's never met me. She said, do you baptise my baby? And like hugged me, you know, and I just knew what a big deal it was when, when she said that. Um, the next picture, this is my pal, Nature Van, who actually drove us to the river that day. Um, there was three people who were baptised, and he was just, like, dumbfounded by it. Like, he's like, what, what is going on? I've never seen anything like this. Um, and he's like, so it, is the water, like, making them clean? Uh, and it just opened up, like, amazing opportunities to talk to him about baptism, about baptism being a key part of our relationship with Christ and that really being what, what makes us clean uh, and if you saw the Tigris River you would definitely know it's not the water that makes us clean um, but it was amazing like, and he even said to us at one point I want to be made clean too, I want to be washed clean um, and so we kept in touch and this was us out for dinner the night before we left at a friend's house uh, and just got to have amazing conversations with him and we still keep in touch now Again, with WhatsApp, <laughs> such a good tool. Uh, but he was really impacted by baptisms. Um, and yeah, I would just really encourage, like even Craig and Tracy are going to be baptised in the next few weeks. Um, like, you don't know the impact that's going to have on people uh, as they witness that. Uh, and just whatever stage you're at in your Christian life, like, if you're doing something for Jesus, it's going to speak. Um, it speaks volumes. So I encourage you with that. Um, but one of the most exciting things that we got to be a part of is the next slide. It was a program called Let There Be Light. So this is the, the other camp that we were involved in, in the hook. Um, and we got to be part of a huge uh, move. Basically, we were going to widows and orphans, uh, meeting practical needs. We took um, solar-powered lights, hence the Let There Be Light. Um, we took these big buckets with water filters attached which purify water for 10 years if you look after it. Uh, and we also got to give out copies of the Psalms in Arabic. Uh, and while we were giving them out, uh, I would share from Psalm 23 about the Lord being my shepherd. And it was amazing like, to see people make the connection between God being shepherd and practical needs being met. Um, it was just so powerful and it really clicked with people. Um, and as we were doing that, people would come up to us for prayer. You can see in the next picture. Um, we didn't really have to like knock on doors. It was like people would be like, look, I've got this need. Could you come and pray for it? Um, well, my friend here had been injured in the fighting with ISIS and he was asking me to pray for his eyes. 
um, and I can't remember what was being prayed for here, but we would see, we would see God move powerfully um, just through us being there. Um, and people were just hungry for him, and it was exciting to be a part of that. Just a really, the phrase that comes to mind is just like, the harvest is ripe, you know, especially in this region of the world, the harvest is so ripe. Um, and so, you know, pray that God sends the workers into it. Um, then I think the next picture is lunch. So this is in, this is in the camp where people really don't have a lot and, this is the kind of food they would bring out to you, you know, halfway through the day, just like more than I could physically eat. And just the hospitality was insane. Um, it really, really was. And this was us having tea at a friend's house that had invited us in. We were giving out stuff and he said, come to mine for tea. So we did. Um, it was amazing, like, to get to impact loads of lives is great, but like to, to get to sit down with people over time and really share in more depth was really cool. Um, and I think the next picture this is, this is my friend Yusuf he um, was our translator with our team and uh, he's a Yazidi man uh, Yazidism is it's, it's a religion but it's also considered to be your race and so it's kind of seen as you can't extricate yourself from that people can't so the idea of coming to Christ is a very difficult concept for, for Yazidi people um, but we could see, like, even as Yusuf translated for us, um, like, we could see God moving through him. He thought he was just saying things, reading parts of scripture, translating prayers, but God's spirit was touching him uh, as all that happened. And he said to me, this was at lunch one day, he said, do you know that song Abba? It's a Jonathan Helser song. He's like, do you know that song Abba? And I was like, yeah, and I played it. Um, and, like, the tears were just streaming down his face at this concept of God being his father. It was really quite amazing um, to see him impacted as he helped us impact. <laughs> um, next few pictures are just pictures of the kids that Lauren took. She's a really great photographer. Um, and the kids are just dead cute, so I thought I would show you them. <laughs> there's another one. I think there's one more after that. Just brilliant pictures. Uh, just so much joy, uh, despite circumstance, which teaches you a lot in terms of thankfulness and peace um they were also a bit wild at times though it wasn't all like sunshine and rainbows uh, we had like a kind of kids uh, club one day uh gary the guy that was on the right in the team photo he got punched in the nose his nose was all burst we all get scratched to bits like they were they were a crazy bunch but they were a brilliant bunch and dead easy to love and you know, you know the circumstances they've been in and what they're coming from, it makes sense that there's so much energy and frustration. Um, so as hard as it was, it was brilliant uh, to get to be involved in that. Uh, the next one is just a picnic that we had up on the side of the mountain. Um, these are my friends, Yuzidi uh, guys as well. And it was just unbelievable really to, to hear some of their stories, which their stories are their stories. Um, but just to speak generally about it, um, a lot of Yazidi people come from a town called Shingal, which in 2014 is one of the first places that ISIS hit, and approximately 5,000 Yazidi people were massacred, um, and most of everybody else escaped. Um, and so we're hearing just stories that you would know like what they were saying, you understood it, but you couldn't even imagine, like you couldn't take it in fully. Um, 
or it was amazing like God would help us to bear burdens that were not ours to bear and just helped us to be a listening ear as if it was just Jesus that was sitting listening to them um, and it was amazing um, to meet guys that were so peaceful as well despite what they'd been through and it challenged my perspective a lot um, the next picture this is, this is kind of one of my favourite moments of the whole trip it's a bit of a long story so I'll just cut it down but um, basically one of our team had problems with a, with a visa and so for two weeks we kind of didn't know if they were going to be able to stay or not they could have had to leave there and then it was a bit tense um, but this is my friend who's a kind of high-ranking official in the visa office. And basically, uh, I had to phone him every day and see, is the manager in? The manager makes all the decisions about who stays and goes. And he was the only one that could say whether she could stay or not. Um, and so I had to phone him every day. And every day he would say, no, sorry, the manager's not in. He would give me a different excuse every day. Oh, sorry, the manager's in this place, the manager's in that place. Two weeks passed and I never met with the manager. Um, and I can never prove this, but I feel like this guy was just kind of buying his time and really being a friend to us and helping us out. Um, but it was amazing through that situation, which I didn't want to be in, of visa problems. It was amazing to see like God just build that relationship with this guy and with the guys in the office. Um, and in the end, uh, we ended up being able to share um, a New Testament in Arabic with him. And also just sharing, as I was telling TJ and Dina the other day, sharing the gospel in, in, in Kurdish form because he was explaining to me what the colours of the flag represented, uh, the red being the blood of the martyrs, the white being the peace that comes from that, and the green being the new life. And I was like, this is just the gospel. Like, the blood of Jesus making the way to peace and new life. Um, and so I was just able to get to share that with him, and it really clicked, and he really got it. And it was just so exciting to see God take a circumstance that none of us wanted to be in and just turn it for his glory. It was amazing. Um, the next couple of pictures are just silly ones, really. This is a raging Wayne that was really angry that I was holding him. <laughs> um, and then the next one. Now, as I said, we saw salvations, healings, deliverances. But this was my favourite miracle of the whole trip. This travel size bottle of shampoo lasted me for four weeks it should have lasted me about two days and I don't know if it's quite the loaves and the fishes but I consider it a multiplication miracle um, that it lasted me a month so I just had to put that in there um, the next picture was some fried chicken that I made these are kind of just showing you the life <laughs> um, but basically it's really important like big thing that we learned as leaders of the team was like it's really important to have things planned to boost morale if you're away for two months in a different culture um, not every day wanting to be there necessarily um, so something we decided to do was to make fried chicken um, or pica pollo they would say in the Dominican um, and so we did that and it was brilliant but unfortunately you can see the after effects and there's Tommy and then the other one there's me we overdid it a wee bit. Um, but yeah, the next picture is just kind of us saying goodbye. Uh, that's me and Kasai. And that was a really hard goodbye. Um, it really was. But again, what's that? You know, discipleship is online these days. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, and then the next picture is 
uh, the teams. So what I didn't say earlier was we sent two teams, uh, a team of seven and a team of eight, and we switched halfway. So as we were in Airbeel, they were in the hook, and then we switched halfway, and then we all travelled home together. Um, and I knew I was absolutely shattered in the next picture, because uh, I never sleep on planes. Uh, but this was me on the way back, and Lauren got a revenge. Um, and then there's just a wee picture from our graduation. Um, everybody back together. So people had gone on to do different things. A um, couple of the guys, the ones that were in the Dominican, they were working with the discipleship school there um, as they went to the Dominican. Some people stayed in Orlando and did amazing local ministry, got to help out on the base and help out practically in like downtown Orlando and different places. Um, and so it's quite varied. The options are varied for what you can do as an outreach. Um, and so if anyone's thinking about that, I would encourage you to go for it. Um, this was our newest member of our team. Just go back one, Cal. This is baby Joshua, who was born a week before graduation. Um, so the couple there, Jordan and Steph, they stayed on the base instead of coming to the Middle East because she was heavily pregnant. Um, and then the next picture was just me and my sister. I don't know if you've all met my sister, but very proud of her. Um, my sister, my brother-in-law, Jake, we were all happy to see each other again. So they're full-time missionaries with YWAM. Um, and then the last picture is me and Nathaniel, school leader. And I just put this in here because we both own one shirt and it's basically the same shirt. He's got a short sleeve version of my shirt. Uh, and sure enough, we wore our one shirt that we owned to graduation. Um, so we just took a posing photo of it. But yeah, overall, just an amazing experience. Um, one of the hardest experiences of my life, for sure. And leading a team is one thing, but like doing it in a completely different culture where your schedule, your food, everything relationally is, is changed and out of order. Um, and I've never had to lean more on God in my whole life. And so because of that, even though it was hard, I'm really thankful for it. And as I was thinking last night, uh, there was a couple of verses that I was like especially reminded of. I was reminded of when Paul says in 2 Corinthians um, that even in his time of hardship, Jesus says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Um, and in James, we're told, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. And there were so many times where I just didn't know the answers. Um, and God would give me answers if I would lay down my pride and go to him. He'd give me practical answers. Um, so I would just encourage you with that, whatever the situation, if you don't know the best way forward, or if you don't know any way forward at all, um, go to him and ask him. He promises to give wisdom if you seek it truly from him. Um, and I just wanted to say, Joe, well, thank you so much for being the supportive family that you all are. I missed you all very much, especially James. Uh, where is he? Is he sleeping? Oh, but I did miss James because he was this big when I left or maybe not that big that big and now he's so uh, but yeah thank you so much I really felt like I was sent not like a a one man mission but part of a team just going somewhere else that was all um, so I've been really thankful for that and, and really thankful as I've come back to feel missed sounds really simple but to feel like I was missed is really it really means a lot to me so I appreciate it um, and I just had some wee prayer points up at the end um, 
yet please just pray for the people that we encountered during our trip, uh, for the long-term workers who continue to disciple many of them. So YWAM really seeks to, to bridge the gap between short and long-term missions. So you can be praying for that in, in Kurdistan. Pray for more workers to go into a ripe harvest in Kurdistan. It's just a total open door. The fact that I could just go for two months with no issue um, and get to see amazing fruit, it's just an open door. So pray for workers to go. Um, and pray for me as I discern how I should spend my time at home uh, and as I prepare to join YOM staff in the new year. So I don't know if everybody will be aware of that, but I'm going to be home for the next four months. Um, and then in the new year, I'll be going to be full-time with YWAM. So um, be praying for that. It's a big step. Be my first one-way ticket. So I'm a bit nervous about that. Um, but yeah, just that I'd make good use of my time. doesn't matter if I'm in Kurdistan or, or Glasgow. Or I'm a Hamilton boy, really. I'm pretend Glasgow. But uh, wherever I am, just pray that I would be faithful and obedient to what God's saying. So, so Father, we thank you for the, the gift of mission. We thank you that it is a... A tremendous privilege for us to go and to make disciples and Lord we, we thank you for the, the way in which that is so varied we can do it here, we can do it in our nation and we can do it in any part of the world and Lord we know that you call us uh, in such a way that we know for certainty that we have clarity in our heart and mind and through your Holy Spirit um, you lead us and you empower us to be the people you call us to be and, and Lord we want to pray uh, for, for all that took place uh, in Kurdistan um, as Ramsey and the team went out to serve uh, Lord we pray that as we have had an impact in that area as we have encountered uh, so many people and as they have planted seeds and saw salvation we pray for uh, long lasting fruit to remain in that area mm-hmm. uh, we pray Lord that through the impact they have had, both teams have had there would be churches that would, would be planted uh, in that location and Lord, we pray that there would just be a revival in Kurdistan, that many lives would, would come to, to know you, Lord. Many people would recognize you as Lord and Savior. And through the work of your Holy Spirit, there would be even greater transformation. And so, Lord, we thank you just that Ramsey had the faith and courage to step out and to believe that you were going to equip him. And Lord, we pray that you would grant him wisdom as he is spending time here in Scotland. And as he anticipates, Lord, I just pray for abundant wisdom upon his heart, that he would know the way forward and that he would be filled with all the fullness that you want to give to him. Uh, And Lord, that we would be um, a church family that are behind him and helping him um, in all sorts of different ways. But most important, Lord, we want to be a church family that are praying for him um, every single day. We pray, Lord, that we would be a prayerful church uh, for Ramsey and that he would know uh, the prayers of the saints uh, in Denison. So... We just thank you for him, Lord. We ask you to bless him. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.